The world went to hell around the year 2000, which is why Adam and Chad live less than 2000. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content, specials, and early access to a longer, uncensored, less than 2,000 experience. And now, less than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less than 2,000. Now part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Yeah, man, Night Court. What a what a great song. What a great <laughs> intro. When you said you were going to sing us in, I was thinking there'd be a little more energy to it, but I because I forgot how like bow, subdued bow, and sort of bassy bow, just bow 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 bow. Yeah. Bow, bow. See, that's a little bit better. That's a little bit better. That's 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 yeah. now I feel like there's energy the funky, to it. Yeah, funky jazz to it. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So it was it was it was cold. I was cold. I just it's you know I had to I had to ease into it. That's one of the first songs I learned how to play on bass guitar because I mean I I, I became a bassist so I could play that song. Just that very basic do 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 do. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, then, my first note was going to be, I can't believe you liked the show. But now I want to scratch that and say, <laughs> you you mean to tell me that you wanted to learn to play bass so you could play this song? Not only that, I became a lawyer because of this show. That's there right. There is a lot to unpack here. There is a, I mean... This is going to go layers deep. I didn't know how we were going to get deep on Night Court, but now I realize this is going to be a lot more fun than I thought. Yeah. Not my dad being a lawyer. Not a few good men. Okay, so a few good men a little bit. Well, yeah, but I mean, really, it was Night Court. Before a few good men, there was Night Court. And I wanted to be a judge. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a bailiff. I didn't care if I was the clerk. I just wanted to be, I, I wanted to be in 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 the in night court. I want to be in the actual place. Manhattan Criminal Court Part Two is now in session. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? I, I I'm kind of getting that. I think the thing that gets me is you know this show, you know, it, it released in the first season was '84, right? Yep. And so, without giving our age, I'm just going to give our age away because by now everybody knows it. You were three. And I, I, I'm kind of wondering, I know you didn't get in this till you were a little bit older, but what was it about this show that made a pubescent child go, I can't wait to see this? Man, it was so quirky. It was so off the wall. It was so offbeat and off center. And, but it also had this heartfelt element to it. And it was, uh, it was part of, must-see TV on Thursday nights, NBC. I did not watch it at that time. I watched it in syndicated reruns. And it was uh, every night at like 9.30, it came on after Cheers reruns. And every night during the summer, my sister and I watched this thing. And we loved it because it was so quirky and zany. And it really is more fitting 
for a kid than it is an adult. Even though there's tons of racy adult humor in it, most of which, a lot of which went over my head. But again, it was like we were at that age where you're like, I know Dan Fielding's talking about something. And, yeah. and what what is a call girl? You know, what are these things? Yeah, uh, What's I mean, a John? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, it was more appealing to a kid. It, I mean, the episodes I watched are definitely a little bit more. They're on the racy side. I mean, let's mm-hmm. if you don't know what they're talking about, you, even a kid, you know what it is. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, but I watched this before I knew what sex was. I talked about, you know, I watched this before I had the talk with my parents, you know. Okay, I guess then I want to clear. So I want to know this since you didn't watch it when it was out. It was all reruns. I guess Mm -hmm. my follow up question, because I guess I'm going to interview you today to get to the bottom of of Adam's mind. I'm a guest on my own show. (laughs) When did you start watching it? I would probably say around 90 90, 91, I would, I would venture to say in that, in that range, 9, 10. Okay, so you're right. So I mean, it sex, been sex on the ed air. wasn't until 92 for us, 91, 92 right. or something. So you're right. Okay, maybe you didn't know quite as much of, about what was going on and all that kind of stuff. So between the bassy opening, the quirky yeah. room, and, <laughs> and the jokes that went completely over your head, you still fell in love with Night Court. Yes, yes. Two things, Bull, Bull the bailiff, the big, tall, bald-headed, mean-looking bailiff who is yeah. actually a goof and a, and a, a sweetheart, yeah. but looked so mean and menacing, and and Harry the judge because he was so zany and and he had the how is that the third time I've said zany like I've never said yeah. zany on the show ever and now, and now I have now did said it, it four times now in you like did it again five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You know, we talked about UHF this season, and I don't think that mm-hmm. word came up once. Now we're going into night court. Yes. And and you use it at least five times already in five minutes. And, and, and Harry, Harry Anderson was a magician. He was an, he was an actual honest-to-God con man. He conned people on the streets with the shell game. You know, which one is it under? But there was, it's actually not there, so you would always lose. And yeah. it was when somebody broke his jaw on the street that he was like, hmm, maybe I should find a different way to earn a living. So this is legit. I mean, that, that's literally, this he is was straight literally from his a mouth. street mu- magician before becoming an actor. Yes, yes. And then he became, he transitioned that con into a, a sidewalk show about how to not get conned. And then he started appearing on SNL in 1982. He was doing guest spots on SNL when SNL would have people on like Andy Kaufman and, and Harry Anderson, and they would do like a bit, not part of a sketch or anything. Wow. They just get up on the stage, like as if they were a musical act and just, he would do magic and stuff. And from that, he parlayed that into a, a recurring role on Cheers as Harry the Hat, a con man on Cheers. And then he was able to parlay that onto Night Court. Onto being a zany, now, now you got me saying it, yes. a zany court judge mm-hmm. who happens to love magic and is still doing tricks. So like literally his shtick just carried through from the time he was a, a lowly street performer through mm-hmm. all of that fame and fortune. Yes. 
Everyone listening, I have only seen a handful of these episodes. When Adam said he wanted to do Night Court, I was like, Night Court? <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I guess I'll, I'm going to play along. And and so, yes, Adam did send me two episodes. And I, I will admit, as soon as I watched those two, I immediately was like, okay, that's right. I, I It started coming back to me. I had occasionally watched this show but it was not let me be clear not something i was like yes this the 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 basic <laughs> hit didn't hit and i wasn't immediately like drawn in and like ready to go as a as a child like i i mm-hmm. was not it was not mm-hmm. my thing as much we'll keep unpacking that later mm-hmm. but when michael j fox came on i was like Yes, number one, and then my second reaction was Adam gets me. Yeah, <laughs> the plot of that episode was he's uh, Michael J. Fox and his girlfriend are teen runaways, and they won't. They're under arrest, and they won't tell anyone their names because their parents don't care about them, and they ran away. And Santa Claus is was arrested for vagrancy. He's a fellow defendant. And and the the question becomes: Is it really Santa, or is he just some wacko? But tell me, tell me that Michael J. Fox's performance was not electric. I mean, he was a star. You could you could he just he just jumps off the screen in terms of how insanely talented he is and just the way he outshines everybody else on the screen. Well, yeah. I mean, you put Michael, you put a camera on Michael J. Fox and he's going to steal everything. I mean, the camera loves him. I, I, it's funny. I didn't have that thought as much as I had. Wow. It was so awesome to see him so angry. Because that was a side of Michael J. Fox you rarely got to see. You know, mm-hmm. he'd have moments of like heightened tension or this or that, or but it's moments always with when comedy. He's, but it's always been comedy. Mm-hmm. So to see him so angry, yep. To see him play such a troubled teen, even though it was still just on network television and it was still pretty watered down. Mm -hmm. He was still very angry. So the performance was really good. But that's what I took away from it. Like, wow, that's a side we don't usually get to see of of such an amazing actor. Yeah, especially at that age. Because I I, I wanted to know, was this this the part that landed him back to the future and Family Ties? And no, he had already... Family Ties was 1982. And he would have been shooting... Uh, around this time, Back to the Future, it wasn't out yet, so it was in production. He certainly probably was cast, unless it was Eric Stoltz still at that time. Yeah, he, but, he maybe he hadn't quite taken over yet. <laughs> but 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 he was on another NBC sitcom, and he did this guest spot on the second episode ever, clearly to lend it some credibility and oh. to, to get people to tune in. But he just steals the show, and I would say maybe on the verge of overacting a little bit maybe just slightly i love i love how you go from i'm gonna call you out you go from brilliant acting to like now overacting which would be the antithesis of brilliant acting so (laughs) i think it's because it's 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 a it's a straight up zany comedy and then you got this seven 
<laughs> young man who is just electrifying with his anger and and his his he what 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 makes me love that particular episode so much is his performance and the fact that I don't know. You almost believe Santa's real again. You almost really well, feel deep in your let's, heart let's, that Santa might be real. Let's start with you the Michael J. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's start with the Michael J. Fox part for a quick second. Um, I haven't. I didn't watch a lot of Family Ties either because it was years before I was really watching TV. So I've really only seen Michael J. Fox in movies. Yep. So to watch him wait for the laughter in between playing such an angry person that mm-hmm. to me as a filmmaker was probably more interesting because he just had this raw intensity and this anger and this angst about him and he was nailing it and then he and then the laugh track would end and he'd come back into the next angry line that mm-hmm. part was pretty cool because that was a side of him that I hadn't really seen before uh, so that was interesting to me Santa Claus, <laughs> it didn't have me until the very end when the names were wrong. Mm-hmm. And he literally is getting ready to walk out and they turn around, they read the actual report and he, he, the names on the document were wrong mm-hmm. and he named different names and everybody's like, and that was where like, that's where the <laughs> magic of Santa came back into it. Because I was yes. wondering the whole time, like, are they going to kill Santa or are they going <laughs> to make Santa live? And that yes. was what was going on in my mind the whole time. Which direction mm-hmm. are they going to go? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a well done episode. You'd watch another episode if you saw that as the second episode in 84. You'd watch the third one. Yeah, totally. I think the only thing that I remember like cringing at a little bit and, and my, my emotions went up or down was when the judge came back in and he was like, no, people love you. People love you. And then he grabs him and Michael J. Fox like, what are you doing? And he grabs him and he hugs him and he holds him tight, you know? And I'm just thinking like, that would be a lawsuit today. Like that's what that judge would be fired in a heartbeat. And I was like, I, I was like, I was kind of cringeworthy for a minute, but then the softy in me came back out, and then I immediately thought, "How sad is that?" At some level, mm-hmm. that like the very thing that he knew he needed, you couldn't give today because of fear of touching or overstepping or things like that. Like you know, it was cringeworthy because you wouldn't see that today. But then it's also yeah. like that's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. That's that that. That's a good point. Uh, again, how the world has changed, and you know the the show is is has a lot of sappy moments, especially especially the early seasons. Reinhold Ouija is the guy's name. I'm not kidding you. Reinhold Ouija, <laughs> yeah, is the uh, the creator head writer of the show, and he he started with Barney Miller, and he did episodes of Mash. And that this was his baby, and and he he always had this emotional core to the episode where it would make you laugh, and then it would make you feel. And when when Harry hugs him and forces the hug on him, uh, on Michael J. Fox's character, it's it it is it does have that sort of ah moment that you, you know good good for him to to break through and uh, 
that sappy, hokey, I mean, that stuff you definitely saw in the 80s and 90s on sitcoms where everything had to have a meaning and it had to pull on your heart strings and have some sort of message. But um, this one really took it to the the next level, that heartfelt core to basically every single show. When you've got a zany comedy and you're throwing in this sort of emotional, sappy stuff, um, that was part of, again, one of the reasons that I was really drawn to it as a kid. You know, in, in hindsight, looking at it, I, I wanted to throw... It's not very often that I take the, the, the anti uh, on the stuff we talk about, uh, but I, I wanted so bad to not like this show and to come back and kind of like rip you to shreds. But after I went and rewatched a couple of those episodes, it stuck with me for hours. Like I was really? trying to like not think, I made my notes, I, you know, I, I tried to get away from it. And I kept thinking about it. And I think... I think the why it ran nine why it ran nine seasons is because it was almost like a parody or a character, more of like a character of New York or major city nightlife getting mm-hmm. arrested and mm-hmm. having to go to court mm-hmm. at night. And, at night. And I think that's where where you start getting into all of the other characters and the craziness that it goes as the seasons progress, it it really is sort of a staple on big city life. I mean, I see it all the time in LA where you mm. see the people dressed up in, in, in cosplay and you mm-hmm. see the people that are acting out people that, that are playing Santa and it's July or, yeah. you know, star Wars or, you know, I, I, things like that. So it's, it's almost like a character of like the major city yeah. of people getting arrested. Mm-hmm. And that's what I couldn't stop thinking about. Like, where else did this show go? Because I kind of started to fall in love with it. Not while <laughs> watching it, but afterwards, as it that's cemented awesome. into my brain. Man, that's so rad. A lot of podcasts with comic book reviews and interviews with some of the greatest creators in the industry, but only one will tell you scientifically what the worst comic book of all time is. And the best. We've been ranking comic book stories for six years. We have a list with over a thousand comics on it, and we're adding more every month. More Rocket Ajax on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Welcome to Casual Magic, the show where we explore the fun side of Magic the Other. I'm your host, Shivam Putt, and each week we delve into everything from casual formats to explorations of creatures and card types to interviews with designers of the game. At Casual Magic, we believe that it just isn't magic without the gathering. Come along and play! The key to this show is John Lorquette as Dan Fielding. He's the prosecutor, and he is the guy that I specifically liked the most. When I was a really little kid, I liked Harry, but then later I grew to appreciate Dan Fielding, and I really appreciate him now because he's the adult, racy, um, lecherous, sex addict, um, just scummy, slimy, cheap gray suit. You know, he's like 50-something years old, but he's never advanced beyond you know, very low level assistant district attorney. You know, he is assist, you know, deputy assistant attorney. He's, he's, he, he, because he's, 
He's too wrapped up in his ego and his sex life to commit himself to his profession. And 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 he he was originally written in the first season or two as this stuffy he was more like Alex P Keaton. He was like a Republican stuffy, he smoked a pipe, he wore double-breasted suits. He was very buttoned down and like demeaning to everybody. And then John Lorquette brought this this z- zany uh <laughs> sex overly sexualized um perverted sort of take on this character that really gave it socks. And and as a matter of fact, he won only one to ever do this as far as I'm aware, maybe daytime might be a different story, but four consecutive Emmys. Hmm. He won four consecutive Emmys, and he, after the fourth one in a row, he took his name out of the, out of consideration. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Michael J. Fox only won three in a row for Family Ties. So John Lorquette was well recognized for this portrayal and 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 his he's I I mean he's just uh, magic on screen and 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 he was the person that I related to the most as this slimy lecherous lawyer hmm. who who is always chasing and always uh doing anything but his job to try to get ahead but it always blew up in his face and when push came to shove you found out that deep down underneath it all. His his exterior, he had a heart of gold too. Sure, yeah, it's funny because I, I I well, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to make the joke of like that I'm seeing parallels in this <laughs> character, but then I realized I better not make that joke. But you kind of brought it up. You were like, I really related to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't really need to go into much more detail than that. Oh no no but... no no details no details. <laughs> I'm just saying I I, I get the similarities. And then, and and then, of course, as I as I got older, and as after after ninety two, when we had the sex edge at sex education finally, and had that the talk, the talk with the family and the and the and the and then and then I mean I watched this stuff all through college. I went back and rediscovered it in college, and I really identified with Dan then. And and some of the cartoony stuff became less interesting, and just the. This show really pushed the envelope because it, what what seems to us like it's not really racy at all. Really, it was pretty racy for an eight thirty show on must see TV. This was my first set of friends uh, on TV, if you will. These are the people I hung out with. These are the people I wanted to be like. I wanted to have friends like all these people. And it was sad. It is sad. Uh, I was I was legitimately torn up when these people passed away and and. Um, you know, before we wrap it up, wrap it up, just a couple guest stars that were on it. John Aston, who was Sean Aston's dad, but he played um, the dad in Adam's family. He was on it all the time. Brent Spiner, who ended up being Data on Next Generation, one of my other favorite shows, had a recurring character yeah. on the show. Guilford Gottfried was on the show a lot. Guilford Gottfried! And... Um, Yakov Smirnov, the in Russia, you know, the review watches you. That guy, he was like, yeah. and and I actually met him in L.A. and I heard him. I heard I heard this laugh going, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, is that Yakov? And that really is how he laughs. And I wow. went up to him, was like, hey dude, can we? I'll buy you dinner. Can I? I'll buy you drinks. I want to go take you out and talk about Night Court. 
It's like, it's like that's a very good show, but I don't drink. I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> you, know, I was like, you said dinner. You said dinner. Well, said dinner drinks. Uh, Fran Drescher was on it. Terry Hatcher was on it. And the black guy from the Allstate commercials. I'm sorry I don't know his name, but the guy with the, you're in good hands with Allstate. Played played a convicted convict who was uh, like Marshall Warfield's uh, love interest. And so it had, I love seeing, going back, uh, Michael Richards, I don't know if I said him already. It's fun to go back and watch these old shows and see what these people did in bit parts when they were coming up. Totally. So I think you're, I believe you're referring to Dennis Haysbert. Thank you. Yes. Dennis Haysbert. Thank There's you. There's no you, way we could get through the episode without at least stating that amazing actor's name. And I hope I research. didn't botch that up either. No, like, I, I, hope, I, I think, I, I think, I think that's said. how it's pronounced, his last name. But I am, I'm very excited about one thing that I did not even know until I was researching for this. The show is coming back. What? On September 24th, they they did a pilot in May. And on September 24th, as in just a few weeks ago, they greenlit a new Night Court series with Dan Fielding, with John Larroquette coming back as Dan Fielding. And Harry's daughter is the, uh, not his real daughter, but um, the creator of this reboot. Cool. Is is the producer and the female lead of the show? But I, I'm just excited. You know how I don't like the remakes and all the stuff. I, I I probably won't like this either. But it does have John Larroquette as Dan Fielding, one of the greatest comedic actors on sitcom history, playing one of the best characters ever. I will definitely give it a shot whenever it comes out. On I, mean, I gotta I gotta be honest. It sounds like out of all of the reboots in the history of reboots. This might be the closest thing that Adam will actually enjoy and probably watch. It might be. We'll see. We'll I'll see. definitely give it a chance. All I know is after wa- going back and rewatching some of this, if I ever end up stuck in night court because of something <laughs> I screwed up on, I really hope I get a judge like that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Good point, man. Good point. And, and, and hopefully your prosecutor is like Dan and he's too distracted with women to really care that much about going after you and throwing the book at you. It'd be perfect. Hopefully you got a a, a defender like Christine with a big heart that'll help you get through it and a a nice warm-hearted guy like Bull to be your bailiff in case he takes you to the jail cell. And that hug that I'm desperately missing. (laughs) Boom, doo, 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 do